Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. And yes, we're back together on this Wednesday afternoon in New York City as President's Week rolls along. Pat O'Keefe in for Alan Han one more time. Bart Scott here. Once again, for three always, more times, three <laughs> more times, and then and then and then you're not going anywhere, my friend. Um, we're getting into some football news today, as uh, you know, the NBA season's about to resume tomorrow, and you know, some news on the Knicks and the Nets yesterday that we'll touch on. But really, the football offseason, uh, this crucial time in the midst of the uh, franchise tagging period, which lasts until March the fifth, kind of taking center stage right now. And once again, Bart, just like it did last year kind of centered on one of the most prominent athletes that we've had in New York in the last half decade and Saquon Barkley. And and on on the one hand, yes, he was the center of this last year. On the other hand, it has a decidedly different feel, I think, when analyzing whether or not the Giants, it's in their best interest to franchise Saquon and vice versa if it's in Saquon's best interest to roll it back with the Giants again. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out Saquon and his team. When they took that deal last year where they could have put maybe more pressure on the Giants because when you tag a player twice, it's an added penalty. But the fact that he didn't even allow them or make them to make them use the franchise tag is is, you know, baffling for me from his team. I mean, Saquon has blind faith in the Giants. And maybe it was warranted faith when Gettleman was the 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 general manager. But the fact that Joe Shane is the general manager, like he I think Saquon just has to understand, listen, man, they just not that into you. And they, and I said on the show and get up this morning, they're treating Saquon like a like a like a um like a side piece. <laughs> like and he doesn't get it. He like, no, they love me. They took me out. Like, bro, they 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 they, they called you today because they needed you, but then they ignored your phone calls for two weeks. Like, they, they, you're not the main chick. You need to figure that out. And I don't know if under a Brian Dayball-led team, if a running back can ever be the main chick. They, he, puts, he puts emphasis on different positions. Like, this isn't the Baltimore Ravens where they value the running back position. And, you know, when, I, when, when me and Allen went out to training camp last year, we talked to Joe Shane, and we said, well, you know, you couldn't get nothing this year if Saquon has a great year – does that mean that you're going to give him a long-term contract? And the answer was it's going to be a lot of guys out in free agency. And when you look at the lot of guys that's in free, free agency, it's going to be a lot of guys that maybe will take a one-year deal. What happens is when you have a flooded market, like I believe this free agency is going to be for running backs, you know, I believe that you know somebody's going to take the, easy, going to take the cheese. Now, I know Dalvin Cook didn't work out for the Jets, but he's a guy that we know is better than what the Jets projected him or showed him to be. So he's going to be out there. DeAndre Swift is going to be out there. King Henry is going to be out there. Coming off an injury, J.K. Dobbins is going to be out there. Um, if you want to talk about Josh Jacobs, you know, Russian champion, he's going to be there. So you have to ask yourself, what leverage does Saquon have? And I think Saquon still has a lot of brand recognition, a lot of name recognition. And because he got injured again last year, I think that, that, that weakens his market. But I don't think that you know, Saquon, well, one, we know that the most appreciation and value that you have is within your conference. So we've seen often guys make those lateral moves, whether it's Chris Canty coming up here from the Dallas Cowboys. They have a different level of appreciation for you when you come from outside of the market. But I think he needs to go to a place where teams need leadership, they're young, and he can be like the veteran leader to come in and stabilize things. I think the best place for Saquon Barkley to go 
is in Houston. I think if you can put Saquon Barkley with C.J. Stroud, Nico Collins, Tank Dell, they have $62 million. And they don't have to pay their quarterback for four more years. Will they pay him early? Probably. They have the best or one of the best left tackles in all of football. So Saquon will be able to instantly go to a place where they already have a decent, solid offensive line. He doesn't have to be the inside runner um, that if he doesn't want to. He can be a perimeter runner because they have Pierce, who's a young running back that can take some of the tough carries off of Saquon. But I just think that it's, it's so many better places for him to go than just staying with the Giants. And the Giants have so many issues where they have to get things right, where place like the Houston, Houston Texans have already built the infrastructure in which Saquon can thrive. Like, we don't know if Saquon's the back that he's been. We don't know if he's slowing down because you look at the environment in which he had to, to operate in. Now, you put him there with a top-notch um, left tackle, top-notch, two top-notch receivers. Who knows what they do with Dalton Schultz or if they improve that position. Saquon's going to be having a lot of light boxes. He's going to have opportunities to make big plays, and maybe he, he is that player, but we don't know, and I don't know if he decides or wants to stay with the Giants, and we'll ever see what Saquon is truly capable of doing at a high level um, with a great environment because I don't think the, the Giants can provide an environment similar to the Houston Texans in the next couple of years. No. Not right now, across the board, for all those reasons that you mentioned, from the quarterback to the skill position players to the offensive line to the quality of opposition in the division, everything is an advantage with the Houston Texans. Not to mention something you mentioned on the show yesterday, Bart, no state tax, income tax in the state of Texas, which is also a factor. Now, Barkley gets here in 2018, second pick in the draft, as we know, and then just did a lot of losing. Five wins, and then four wins, and then six wins, and then four wins. He had you know, two different head coaches fired after his first four seasons. And then the year before last, 2022, Dable's first season, he got right. But under Dable's first go-round here in New York, his first season, he got a taste of the success that he was craving. I, I do think that last year, his decision-making was clouded by sentiment. Now, is that the worst thing in the world to be sentimental about something? I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but in business, it oftentimes doesn't help. And I think last year, with sentiment holding a part of his decision-making, wanting to be with the Giants and wanting to build upon the success that he and the team finally achieved with the Giants, I think the sentiment played a part in that. The problem is, if you look at his tenure, all right, the only times the Giants have been successful while Saquon Barkley has been with the team, he has literally had to injure himself for the team to be successful. Even when they went 9-7-1, and they ran him into the ground that season because they had a sparse wide receiving group. Daniel Jones started the season off slowly and got better and better as the season went along because he had Barkley there as his ultimate security blanket the second half of that season Barkley actually started to wear down he turned it on one more time in the playoff win against the Minnesota Vikings and even you go back to last year the way last season began and this is before we knew what was going to happen this is before we found out that the season was going to be a complete disaster week one was a disaster in Dallas week two you have that crazy game in Arizona where you fall behind by like 28 points and literally the only reason yeah Jones played really well in the second half but Barkley literally had to play so hard he once again injured himself just to give the Giants a chance to win and that essentially ended his effectiveness and the team's effectiveness for last season so is it worth it is it worth it for Barkley that the only way you can enjoy success here in New York is you literally have to push your body to the limits where you're injuring yourself because you've got to do so much by yourself? The problem is he can never live up to the expectations of being the second overall pick. That's that's the, that's the problem. Like, you know, Gettleman said, Yellow Jacket, you know, Hall of Famer. At this point... He's not going to get that at this He's point. not even going to get close to that. No. Like, the, right now, he's not even the best running back in that draft. Nick Chubb is. I know. So when you you look at that, so but it's not it's not solely his fault. It's not his fault. You can say that you know the Cleveland Browns 
have been a better run organization. <laughs> Se- Wait, say that again. Right, say that again. Right, <laughs> the Cleveland Browns have done a better job in building their team than the New York Giants over the over Saquon's career. Always put a good offensive line. Did what they had to do to get guys like Amari Cooper. Drafted well with um 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 what's the name of Jokic? No, Joku. Yep. Yeah, Joku did a great job in doing that. Found a quarterback when they didn't have one. Even before that, you can probably say that you know Baker Mayfield has been moments. a better pro than Daniel Jones. I mean, they they won as many. They won each won one playoff game with the teams that drafted them. Yeah, but you know they, the, the the Browns have looked better, right? They, you, yeah, the fact that it's even close, you're close with the Browns is saying it all. And well, so, you're not close with the Browns right now. The Browns are a better organization than the Giants. I don't even think it's close right now. Well, I, I know where my bread is buttered. I didn't want to piss Giants fans off too bad. <laughs> I mean, come but, on, let's be honest. But but you know, so that's why I say sometimes a change of senior is just good for both people. But I don't know why Saquon has this type of um, love for the Giants that the Giants don't have for him, where he thinks he wants to be like O.C. Umanura. He wants to be like Stray. And there's no way that a running back is going to stay with an organization for 10 to 12 years. Like, he, you, you're crazy to begin with. The fact that you don't think that you're going to play in another uniform, you're crazy. Not unless you think you're only going to play seven years in the league. So you might as well get a start on it, right? And sometimes teams have already built – a place that's beautiful, but it's just not, it's just missing you. He needs to go somewhere where he can be an add on, where people are going to give him more respect. You know how they always talk about, you know, you give more respect to people that come from outside and inside. Yes. Any, any organization, anybody who's had a job and has looked for promotion from within, look out for the guy that's coming from, or the person that's coming from outside the organization, because that person is always more coveted. Right. So like, they're not going to listen. They, the Giants got so many issues. They need to get a number one receiver. Right, they need to figure out how to fix the offensive line. Defensively, they got to make sure that this secondary is is solid. Figure out what they're going to do with guys like McKinney. You know, you think a Dory Jackson's gone? They got to figure out what they're going to do there. They did okay with Okereke. You know, Thibodeau stepped up. Right, so they lost Leonard Williams. What are you going to do there? Right, what are you going to do to supplement that? Can you try and find or develop and get a pass rusher opposite uh, Thibodeau? So it's so many things that they have to do. Like. When you have guys like Brees Hall that comes in this league and looks like a sure weapon in the second round, when you got guys that's coming in the third and fourth round that's 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 starting for teams, you got guys like Kevon uh, Williams, I think I said, I said his name all wrong, from the Rams that's coming in and just Kyron a beast. Williams. Kyron Williams, that's a beast. When you got guys like Kenneth Walker the third, how about Isaiah Pacheco? Yeah, in Isaiah the Super Pacheco. Bowl the last two years. My point. So like, they're not going to do that. See, but on the outside, if you're D'Amico Ryan, you're a former linebacker. You you played football during the era where the running back was king. You know, he played with me when LT was him, Le'Veon Bell, you know, guys of that sort. So he may have a greater appreciation to say, hey, man, Saquon is the ultimate professional. He's a class act. And in our environment, he can still be an 1,800-yard producer of what he can do in the passing game and we don't we're not going to ask him to do all that he's going to have bigger lanes to run through so that's why I'm saying that Saquon should be saying I need to get out of here and I I need to be a star somewhere else you'll always be linked back to New York if you go have success somewhere else you'll still be able to get those opportunities that you earn in New York even if you didn't have your best seasons in New York if that makes any sense let me just jump in real quick on a sidebar. You mentioned where your bread is buttered in terms of Giants fans. If you don't want to piss off Giants fans, I wouldn't refer to Ladanian Tomlinson as LT again. Well, stop it. Like he is, he's earned a right. He's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. So he can share the nickname as LT. Oh, if Shaq can have Superman, this ain't like Shaq. Even though people hate on Dwight Howard for having a Super Bowl, Superman thing too. Like when you when you equally as good like that, LT, Ladanian Tomlinson, First ballot Hall of Famer, touchdown record, equal to, you know, like, he can be LT. And LT I, said he can be LT. When you that damn good, you can be LT too. I don't think all first ballot Hall of Famers are created equal. But that was a sidebar. Let me get back to Saquon Barkley, who right now is not, as you said, on pace to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, since he came into the league in 2018, he's 10th in rushing yards. Now, of the top 10, 
on that list. He's played 74 games. Only Josh Jacobs, who played in 73, has played in fewer games. Barkley's 14th in yards from scrimmage. He's 20th in touchdowns. So the production doesn't even match where he was drafted. It doesn't match his salary, which last year was, because of the franchise tag situation, the fifth highest in the um, in the NFL among running backs at just over $10 million. The other thing is this, and here's what here's what's always worked against him. And I had similar conversations before he was traded about R.J. Barrett. And sometimes people just can't get over where an athlete is drafted. Right, exactly. And that changes the entire perspective. You know, R.J. Barrett was a fine player. He came here, he averaged 20 a game, he was a great guy on and off the court. Once he got here, the team started playing better, but... He was picked third after Zion Williamson and John John Morant, Morant. two all-NBA players. So he's constantly compared to those guys. And the same thing with Barkley. But this was the warning, and this is, you know, part of the larger conversation that we've had how many times about Dave Gettleman when he was in charge of the franchise. How many times was Gettleman warned by fans, by the media, by those who cover the NFL? Number two is too high to pick a running back. He was a terrific player, (laughs) a great guy on and off the field, has represented the organization in the best possible way. He's literally everything you could want from a guy who's the face of the franchise, except when you pick him at number two, it's impossible at that position to live up to what the expectations are that come from that pick. Yeah, and and, and also usually when you get picked second overall – it changes and affects your um, it affects your, your your salary scale, right? Because you expect when you, I was the second overall pick, when I get to to free agency, it's time for me to make you know good money, ten million dollars. You know, you think of players, you know, that wasn't drafted that that second deal gets that type of money. This is the problem, right? You have you have Tony Pollard out there, you got DeAndre Swift that's going to be out there, Zach Moss, AJ Dillon who's younger and can give you some stuff in the middle. J.K. Dobbins coming off of an injury. Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, you know, has you talk about productivity. If you can get Austin Eckler, which I, I think he's, you know, you know, Harbaugh wants to bring him back, but that's going to be a, a tough negotiation as well because he wants to get paid. He was part of the crew that held out last year, and I think Josh Jacobs is up all over again. You know, it's so many options for you if you're if you're the Giants, and you have so many holes that you can't be buying luxury pieces. Right now, Saquon is like that sports car that you only take when, it's, when the weather's nice outside and you may only put 5,000 miles on it. So they don't have a second grimy back where they can say, okay, we're, we're, we're going, doing it by committee. And so Saquon's going to find his way out. I just wish Saquon would accept that, right? Because right now, I don't know if you can say Saquon is even a top. I wouldn't take Saquon before David Montgomery. <laughs> I wouldn't take him be, be, before uh, Gibbs. Right, it's so many. Like you can play that game. Like who would you rather? Yeah. And a lot of times, and especially when you add the money onto it, a lot of times you're going to say, "I rather have somebody else other well, than the Saquon. money and the durability." Both yeah, Aaron, Aaron Jones. Which, like, you could say Aaron Jones and maybe AJ Dillon all together. Right, B. John Robinson, you know, Brees Hall, Williams, Brees Hall for sure, um, Kenneth Walker the third. Yeah, and, and he's already bounced back better from his injury than, than Barkley right. did from his. Yeah, William Williams in Denver. You know what I mean? Barkley has always made more sense for the Giants than he has elsewhere. But he's also kind of only looked at it from, from that scope. I, I think at this but point— that's what I'm saying. Houston, I believe, is a, is a yeah. beautiful opportunity for yeah, him. Yeah, because, like, again, six, he doesn't have, have to kill him. They have $62 million, yeah. and it's not going to be Saquon, be 85% of our offense or 80% of our offense, which that's what he was when they won two, two seasons ago. When, when he had to Minnesota. kill himself to do it. Yes, exactly. He had to kill himself to do it. If he wasn't at his top performance, when the Giants got off to that great start, what were they, 6-2 and two at one point? Dable's first year, whatever it was. They got off to that great start. Barkley was playing as well as any back in football, and then he wore down the second half of the season, and then the Giants started losing. And then there was a question late in the season whether or not they would even make the playoffs. And then Jones started playing better and using his legs towards the end of that year, and then by the end, Barkley was really good in the playoff game. But if Barkley historically is not at his best for this Giants team, they don't win. And 
I mean, it's been six years of that. It's been long yeah. enough that they should have put a better team around him. Again, even the year that they went to the playoffs and won a playoff game, they still didn't put enough of a team around him where he didn't have to be almost perfect for them to be successful on offense. Yeah, another team that fell for the banana and tailpipe is the Pittsburgh Steelers. No way they should have ever drafted Najee Harris in the first uh, round, and he's not even the best running back on the roster. He's not even the best on the, on the team. That's right. right. That so so that's just it's, it's just unfortunate, right? You know, and, and maybe the running backs association has to figure something out where guys can get to free agency early, whether you're a first round draft pick or not, because you are, you know, you have a short life expectancy. Now, what Derrick Henry is doing is not, um, it's not normal. There's right? always but, outliers. But, but, Frank Gore yeah, was yeah, an but, outlier. Yeah, but nothing about him has ever been normal. Correct. But you know, outside of that. You can just keep rotating guys in, and Saquon Barkley is going to, I believe, understand the unfortunate reality of where he is in his career and say, hey, I'm never going to make the money that I need to because you need to be on a good team, too, to be able to prove your worth. That's why it was so important this year for McCaffrey and the San Francisco 49ers to win a championship so that you can prove that you can win a championship with a running back as your best player. I can't remember the last time – well, maybe the (laughs) – Best player on offense, you know Jamal Lewis when the Oof, uh, it's a long time when, the, when the Ravens won in two thousand. Yep. Like, is it uh, before that Terrell Davis? Like, where can you go to in recent history and say, "Hey, man, my running back was the, the bell cow that that helped me win a championship." I'm trying to think of the last running back that was even the Super Bowl MVP. Um, jo- <laughs> Emmitt Joseph- Smith. Joseph Adai could have won it, but they gave it to Peyton Manning. Adai had a big game that night, I remember. Yeah, but you don't get it for one game. You get it no. for the, the, the well, duration of the Well, you should get it. In theory, it's kind of for, it's kind of for the duration of the playoffs. We know how that really works. Like Ray well, Lewis the quarterback, the Super, Ray Lewis was running the, the MVP if the Ravens won the Super Bowl, whether he had one tackle or ten. Yeah, well, he had ten. he had had at least 10 all right we're just getting started here barton hot on a wednesday this portion of the show is brought to you by tullamore dew because when it's game time it's tully time tullamore dew the original triple distilled triple blended and triple cask matured irish whiskey be sure to grab a tullamore dew or try the brand new tullamore dew honey during tonight's action glasses up to enjoying tullamore dew responsibly we'll have more thoughts on saquon barkley's status is this it for him as a giant and if it is what is his legacy as the quote-unquote quote, face of the Giants for these last six seasons. Are we, are we going to eulogize uh, Saquon? You know, say, give your goodbye message to Saquon while he time. still listens to New York radio? It might be time if you want to. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 
Saquon should, Barkley, will he or won't he? I, I mean, we, look, yeah, we should ask the people: should they or shouldn't they? Should, well, but it, it, there's two sides to this. It's it's it actually matches up kind of nicely. I just think both sides need to come to the realization. And actually, I think this is what you've been saying, Bart. I think the Giants have come to the realization that it's not in their best interest. The Giants, unlike the Texans, aren't you know one player away. You know, they had Barkley last year on a playoff team. And that's why I think Barkley was one of the reasons he was so eager to come back last offseason when he signed right at the beginning of training camp so he didn't even miss a day of practice because he wanted to build on the success from the year before because he was such a big part of it. After four miserable seasons, he finally got a taste. And the hope was, I mean, when we were talking last offseason, the hope was that the Giants were going to build off of that. And they obviously went the opposite direction back to yeah. what it was like for him the first four years. We were so bold on the fact that, you know, that Darren Waller was going to come in and provide something special. And be Travis Kelsey? It's, 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 or, or, hell, Mark Andrews. Yeah. Or uh, or under Joe Flacco. Um, I don't know why I can't say this man's name. Njoku. Njoku. Yeah, we thought he was going to be that. He was none of that. And the same things that you have fear about, the injuries, you know, reared his ugly head. Well, can I also say that when he wasn't injured, he wasn't that great. Yeah. He had a lot of drops he's when, 30. when he was he's, actually playing. He's on the wrong side of 30, too, for a tight end that's often injured. And, you know, that's something that Joe Shane has to has to do with. I believe what they gave up a third-round draft pick. Yeah, the one they got in the Kadarius-Tony deal, I believe. Right, so, you know, they used a third-round draft pick, thought they could flip Kadarius Toney. Now, I don't think they'll be any better off if they had Kadarius Toney. He, he might find himself available. Yeah, they still, they still ended up in the black on that transaction, but um, <laughs> you know, Waller's well, slightly better. Chin, chin, chin. So, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I know the fans love Saquon, and $10 million for a guy like Saquon when you got linebackers making double that. You know, C.J. Mosley you know, has made $15 million for the last five, four years. And now linebackers are making, you know, double what Saquon is making. When you think about probably Fred Warner and some of the high-end linebackers, Raekwon Smith, you know, making double what Saquon makes. And essentially the the, the linebacker and the running back is a mirrored position. It's kind of crazy. And, you know, Saquon has to just see the writing on the wall, man. You can't force somebody to love you. Well, last season when he was coming off of a great year that led to winning, he was the face of this whole plight of the running backs throughout the NFL. That also included Josh Jacobs, who had led the NFL in rushing. It also included Tony Jonathan Pollard. Taylor. The, yeah, Jonathan Taylor. The problem is for Saquon, this year he's not even going to be the face of this because once this plays out and we see the next crop of running backs who are treated in a similar fashion because this cycle is going to continue – Barkley is not anymore going to be the running back who's the most afflicted by this because not that he's just another guy, but he's not the main guy in that group anymore. But at least they figured out for Jonathan Taylor. They, he held out. He held strong. Like late, like it's like if I was a running back, I'm looking at Saquon like he a scab. Hey, bro, you crossed enemy lines. We had a whole meeting talking, and you got off the meeting. You crossed enemy lines. You didn't even fight. You didn't even miss a practice, bro. He didn't miss a practice. Like, like here, Jonathan Taylor ended up getting $14 million. So whose strategy was the best one? Jonathan Taylor got $14 million a year, and they and they, and they decided to get – and they and Zach Moss was playing well. And they still decided to say, you know what? No, nah, we're we going we going with we gonna go with uh, Jonathan Taylor and gave him the money. So now I think under under peers, I think that Josh Jacobs will get, get um, rewarded what he deserves simply because the, the, the head coach – Believes in him. Well, sentiment got in the way again. Oops. Whoopsies. Sentiment got in the way of of Barkley's thinking, I think, and that that played into it. But I don't understand what his people was thinking. It's one thing for him to think that way. Emotional. He loves Mara and all that type of stuff, and they believed in me. They took me second. What the hell is this team doing? Essentially, not even getting the money up front and taking a ten million dollar deal with incentives. Asinine. So now, if they, if the Giants really wanted to say we own you, for two they more could, years, they could simply just franchise tag him for two more years. Yeah. yeah what well, are we doing? Again, in hindsight, the the Giants were 
were riding high after that one playoff appearance, and the thought that they wouldn't make the playoffs was not really top of mind for anyone. But we all knew that this was, we all knew this was going to be a reset year. We knew I didn't they think had it was a soft right. schedule. They I didn't think it was going to be what games. it was, but I certainly didn't think it was a I, foregone conclusion they were going to the playoffs. I again. thought they were. I thought they were. Make, I thought they would win seven. Well, you were close. You missed and, by one. And I thought, you know what I mean? And, like, that was no disrespect, but that was just that when you looked at the schedule, I couldn't find wins. And there were a lot of wins they pulled out that they probably shouldn't have won. Yeah. The Ravens won. game, the Titans game. Exactly. Uh, so, maybe even the Packers game. Yeah. And then the fact now, like, if I'm Saquon too, you know what was going on or the reports that was going on with uh, Dayball. And Dayball, this is an important year for Dayball because I wouldn't say a coach that went to the playoffs and won a playoff game would be – on the hot seat, but because of some of the things about the environment they say that he had and some of the reports from some of the coaches there, he's he's on the hot seat. If this is horrible, because, listen, I expect Jalen Hurts to be a lot better because of the the coordinators that they brought in, Vic Vangio, so I think that defense is going to be better. And, you know, with Kellen Moore, we could get um, not the, not the Jalen Hurts that we saw under Steichen, but not the Jalen Hurts we saw last year. We can get something in the middle, and something in the middle is still too much, in my opinion, for a team like the Giants who still is trying to grow their program and who still has to find a way how to improve the offense line. And also we have question marks at, at quarterback for them. When would Daniel Jones be back coming off of that injury? And, you know, receiver, they don't have a number one guy. So if I'm, if I'm Saquon, I might want to get abandon ship anyway. He should. He needs to get there. And I don't think it's going to be his choice. I think he's going to have to get there eventually. And I think he's probably going to be better off. I mean, the scenario you paint in Houston, if that's what it ends up being or if there's another similar scenario that he finds, I think he'll ultimately learn that the grass is probably greener on the other side. But, by the way, you talk about Dayball and how you go from a playoff coach to getting fired in two years. Ben McAdoo went to the playoffs (laughs) and didn't survive the next season. I know he didn't win a playoff game, but he took the team to the playoffs, snapping a three-year playoff drought, and then was fired before the end of his second season. So it has been done somewhat recently for the Giants. Well, I, I forgot about McAdoo. I think he should have got fired for his hair being slicked back in that muggly suits that he had that on. Big, that big old suit. <laughs> <laughs> Straight out of 1997 <laughs> off the rack. <laughs> Straight out of the rack. Men's warehouse. You know it was something bad when Strahan would even give him one of his suits. <laughs> but, you know, like, like Dayball is under a lot of pressure because this division, even though it's in flux with Dallas and they can't figure out how to win postseason, who knows what's going to happen with Washington if Washington can close the gap. And if Washington closed the gap and surpassed the Giants, I don't think that's a, a forgivable offense for the Giants. And, like, if they find themselves as the fourth best team in this division, I think everybody's gone. All right, this portion of the show is brought to you by Tullamore Dew because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Tullamore Dew, the original triple distilled, triple blended, and triple cask matured Irish whiskey. Be sure to grab a Tullamore Dew or try the brand new Tullamore Dew honey during tonight's action. Glasses up to enjoying Tullamore Dew responsibly. Let's take some calls. 1-800-919-3776. Let's start off with Jacob in Manhattan. Jacob, what's going on? How you doing, gentlemen? Thank you for taking my call. Long-time listener. I unfortunately agree with Bart. I am a longtime Giant fan, and Saquon's got to find his own path. We are not treating him right. He's the lifeblood of our team. Bart said it himself during his critique. Even when we made it to the playoffs that year, he had to kill himself to make it to the playoffs. So to be honest with you, I don't understand what's going on. Because we have players like Brian Westbrook, who played eight years with the Eagles. Marcus Allen played 10 years with the Raiders. These people don't see an eye for this guy. And unfortunately, yeah, Houston is a perfect spot for them. Perfect spot. I agree with Bart a thousand percent. Yeah, times have changed where you don't, you know, we were surprised that Derrick Henry lasted so long when he was, but he made it so hard for them, and they're finally going to move on from him. And, uh, you know, I think he's damn near had a thousand yards rushing. They started off slow, but, you know, he he still played at a high level, and, and they're going to say goodbye to him at 30 years old just because simply – they know that it's the law of diminishing returns when you talk about a quarterback with that type of age, a running back with that type of age. 
There is, by the way, sentiment from the Giants towards Saquon Barkley, but that sentiment is from ownership. That sentiment is yeah. from John Mara. And John Mara, he's not going to stand in the way of this because it's Joe Shane's call to make the job, and that's why you bring in a fresh face and a fresh voice, someone who doesn't have an emotional attachment to the player because Shane came in last year, Saquon a terrific player, but he's not Shane's guy, so he doesn't have that emotional attachment, and that's – part that's one of the reasons why you make these types of changes in sports front offices yeah and, and Dayball is not a guy that's going to run the ball and you know you, you're going to be able to get a good running back and you can still draft one uh as well and you can still get somebody in the in the free agent market like that's going to take five million dollars plus incentives and now you're just kicking a can down the road right you, you'll get a guy who's, who's going to fall between the cracks who knows if, if it's a guy like J.K. Dobbins that's trying to prove that he could be healthy coming off. Who knows if it's a guy like Gus Edwards as the Ravens might try and get an upgrade with Derrick Henry there and he'd be their physical back in the inside. So it's, it's going to be a lot of options, man. It is way too many. Uh, supply is high. Demand is low. So Saquon finds itself at the wrong, in the market at the wrong time. Yeah, and it's not going to change during the lifespan of his career. He if had it ever does. the most leverage that he had was coming off of taking his team yep. to the to the playoffs and winning the playoff game. And as soon as he decided to play and void all that stuff and not put pressure on them and and, and cross the line and sign early, he lost all leverage. And he, he was baking on, I'm gonna have a great season. I don't I don't, don't want to miss any time because I don't want to not have my timing right, get injured, and he ended up getting injured anyway. Yeah. In, in a week two game where they were facing one of the worst teams in the NFL with Josh Dobbs as their quarterback, and they could do absolutely nothing, and the entire game started to turn around because Barkley was killing himself out there again, literally along with Daniel Jones doing it all himself. Yeah, And that's, that's been the pattern of his career as a Giant. Yeah, man, and, like, I can't, I can't express enough. I know we talk about a lot of the pressure that's on the team across town with the Jets, but I think equal pressure is is on. I think equal pressure is on the Giants as well because of the reports and losing staff and not knowing about the environment, right? And I think you know, Dayball is in a. You know, it can I can see a scenario where he gets fired, if it if it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good right now, and you can overlook some things when you're nine seven and one and you're the toast of the town, and you're leading a team that had been the worst team in the NFL for five years to the playoffs in your first year. And it doesn't look good when you show some of those you know, behavioral questions and your team goes 6-11, and 11, and your team loses 40 to nothing on opening night, and your team loses 49-17 to 17 in Dallas and is blown out by San Francisco, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then all of a sudden, it doesn't become that tolerable. Yeah, man. Let's go to Column. Let's see what Column has to say about that. Do we have time? Do we have to take a break? Do we get Column on the other side of the break? Yeah, let's get Column on the other side. Hang out. Column and John you, as well. Yeah, a couple guys on. want to uh, weigh in. We'll get to your calls. We'll take a quick break here. It's uh, Barton Hahn on 98.7 ESPN New York. Thanks for listening to the Barton Hahn Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's uh, go back to the phone lines. It's like, sorry, Saquon. You know what I mean? Like, instead of a Dear John letter, sorry, Saquon. I like the alliteration. Uh, let's go to Cullum in the Bronx. Cullum, what's going on? Uh, Pat, Bartholomew, what's going on? Good afternoon. Um, you know, the point about, like, Saquon, it's like I was, 
I'm a huge Giants fan. You you know that, Bart. And like, I I love the guy. I had I have a couple of family members that went to Penn State. I've known about him for Ooh, a long I, time. I call him, I feel a butt coming, man. I feel a butt. No, I'm. Yeah, the, it is the butt. Is the they have way too many holes to fill. The Giants. There's way too many issues overall. Like I would let Saquon Barkley go out there, see what it, see whatever offer he can get in free agency. Like to build a championship level team, there's really only two options in the NFL. You have to get an absolute elite quarterback, and there's probably only like two or three in the entire NFL right now, and that's that's a hard thing to get. Or you got to build it like the 49ers or the Eagles where you have an elite offensive line, you got three or four pro bowlers, you got a good running game on the offense, and you have a phenomenal defense. And even that, to win a championship, you have to have a certain level of a little bit of luck and things fall in your way. And the Giants, I don't know which side of building a championship team are they further away from. Like, I don't know where they're going to go or what they're going to do in the draft or how they see the issues, but – you know, maybe maybe he goes out there in free agency and the Giants, whatever their books, whatever they feel like it's necessary that they would offer him, maybe that's the best offer and Saquon Barkley ends up coming back, whatever the case may be. But it, it's not worth it. Just the way the NFL is, unfortunately, just you can't afford to, to pay a running back. And you see all the time running backs coming out of the second, third, fourth round. Their, their production – is good enough to to compete at at a high level in the NFL. So this is what I don't understand. If if they did that and they understand that, what the hell is the stud um, running back that they drafted in the third or fourth round? Why why couldn't they already been prepping for his exit? Because if he was eighty five percent of the offense a couple of years ago, then why wouldn't you have somebody there? That you can say, hey, like when Ezekiel Elliott got it was done, they 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 were developing Tony Pollard. So that's what I don't get. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, for the last, you know, before Joe, before Joe Shane got here for like a decade, they were very, you know, the Giants were one of the worst drafting teams in the NFL. So, I mean, Joe Shane has done a little bit better, but he's still, it's still the jury's still out whether or not he can find and develop great talent. And I mean, the last two years, I think they went like, uh, Brightwell and Noah Gray. I think Noah Gray got hurt, so they might have missed a little bit on a running back, you know, in the recent drafts as well. But, you know, I I think I think you give them the opportunity if you go out and you and you really go get a running back that you're projecting and you want to be your starter. I think, you know, the last two years they they've grabbed running backs that they're like, you know, we have Saquon but we need a we need a depth guy. I don't think they were looking and they were trying to go after a running back that they absolutely needed. You know what I mean? I think he masked a lot of the deficiencies on the rest of the roster. Yes, I'm saying because he was everybody else was horrible. Yeah, and he like the receiving core. Even in the playoff year, even in the playoff year, he he masked a lot of where they didn't have top level talent. Even even like I mean, the Giants may have the worst skill position receivers in all of football. Yeah, I mean, who was their number one receiver last year? Darius Slayton. And they've tried to address that position. And they've tried to cut Darius Slayton like four times, and he's led the team in receiving like four times in the last six years. <laughs> he won't go away. I mean, in fairness, he keeps producing and giving them what they need. But that's not a number one receiver for a team that's going to make any noise in the postseason. I mean, I feel like we could have a, a dual segment where we talk about Saquon and, you know, you look at what um, Thibodeau, um, you know, sentiment was that, hey, he was the guy that should have got paid first. And now now if you would have did that, maybe you would have, you know, tagged Daniel Jones and maybe you would be in a better situation because you could have kept Saquon because he would have been, you know, signed and you could have went out and tried to find you a quarterback. Because I don't know if you don't have a quarterback. So if you, you're taking Saquon away – from Daniel Jones, it's the only success he's ever experienced with Saquon next to him. What is the outlook for the Giants going forward? Correct. That's a very good point. Even this past year, when the Giants started playing better, when there were questions, um, should Tyrod Taylor be starting instead of Daniel Jones? Remember, Taylor played pretty well in that Sunday night game against Buffalo, despite the decision-making at the end of the first half, but he moved the ball. He played well when the Giants finally won a game against Washington, and the narrative was maybe the Giants are better 
with Tyrod Taylor than Daniel Jones. But the difference was Taylor actually was playing with Saquon Barkley, while Jones did not get to play with Barkley last year except for the first two games. And then Barkley was done. And then when Barkley came back, Jones was done. But to your point, if you're a franchise quarterback making $40 million, then you should be able to play at a high level even without your top running back. You should be above that. I mean, when is when is when is Daniel Jones probably scheduled to come back? It was the was it the Achilles? No, it was an ACL. ACL. So okay, he's a running quarterback. So I, I think the plans are for him months? to be ready for Week One. Wow, that's what Jordan Renan had told me on a show a couple of weeks ago. But if he's ready for Week One, how much of that are we going to get to see? Well, I mean, ready right. like to start Week One. Like you know, he should be able to go through enough preseason preparation to be ready to start week one that's the that's the hope right now for the Giants that's not ruled out so let's let's go with the second bigger question Danny DeVito Tommy DeVito Danny Donnie doesn't matter Tyrod Taylor I don't think Taylor I I think Taylor's gonna go elsewhere he's a free agent and I don't think he liked the way that he was treated by the Giants he essentially lost his job to an inferior quarterback by but he got it back but he got it back he got it back and that that quarterback was exposed a little bit well yeah but I mean the Giants were the last one to recognize that it was a nice story and what he did against Green Bay and that final drive was nice but anybody who has seen Tyrod Taylor play and seen Tommy DeVito play and think DeVito's a better option isn't paying attention so you're going into the season with DeVito as your backup and Daniel Jones coming off injury. That's not that's not good. <laughs> and no Saquon Barkley. That's not good. <laughs> then, <laughs> then, can we get Bill Belichick on the phone? Because he's going to be coaching the Giants next year. He, he might mess around and be the interim coach. <laughs> he's ready. Uh, he's the available. Way, the, the way that's sounding. You know what I mean? They, I, now I think I just made myself scared for the Giants. <laughs> you talk about pressure. That's a lot of pressure. Um, let's uh, hear from John in Queens who's been waiting. John, what's going on? What's up, guys? How's everything today? Good. Um, good. Uh, I know we're talking Saquon and football. I wanted to bring up the Knicks, but I'll, I'll, I'll do a little football real quick. You're talking about teams that uh, won a Super Bowl with their best player being a running back. Uh, I counter with the Seahawks and Marshawn Lynch when they beat the Broncos that season. Um, he was their best offensive player because Russell Wilson wasn't who Russell Wilson was. Okay, was it that, uh, or was it that, or was it the Legion of Boom? Legion of Boom. Oh well, oh yes, I, I do agree. The defense <laughs> won them. Yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. I do agree with that. That the defense won them the Super Bowl, but he, he was their best offensive player. Like he was the bell cow, and like you know, he's part of the reason why they made it there, along with the defense. But um, you know, I just wanted to bring that up, but. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Knicks and the whole KD interview he had with Rich Kleinman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's sort of like he's doing some like damage control. The the yes, and I, I first saw it on first take this morning, and like the number one quote was, "Oh, uh, people don't think I'm a leader, but I, uh, I think I am a leader. I don't need to be like a rah rah guy." And then he also brought up the fact why he didn't sign with the Knicks was because at the time. The Knicks weren't the cool brand. He brought this up again. And in my in my estimation, those two statements contradict themselves. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because if he would have came to the Knicks when he originally like when free agent before instead of signing with Brooklyn, you're him saying I am a leader, he could have came here, changed the culture way before we got Randall or Brunson or however it turned out. So him saying I didn't want to go there because it's not the cool destination for me. Proves it, it proves to me that he's not a leader, but he thinks he is. So, like, it, and it's just something that I'm—I I don't know why this interview came out. I don't know why he felt the need to like talk about this uh, about the Knicks again. But well, like, it just proves. I think he was trying to build a case that he is a leader, and you know he's doing the boardroom, so he's trying to get clicks, right? And you mention the Knicks, and instantaneously your name's going to be put up in in, in all kind of links and, and and search engines and stuff like that. And I, I get what he's saying when he's saying, "Hey, just because I'm not a vocal guy, I'm not a guy that's loquacious, I'm not a guy that's you know good for TV and interviews, doesn't mean I'm not a leader." Which I can understand that, but his whole narrative about the Knicks not being cool. It was just rumors that the Knicks was run badly with, from a managerial type of standpoint. Now, Leon Rose and everybody that's come in, Tibbs, 
has changed that because now you feel like it's adults in the room and they have a direction. That's why Brunson came. That's why other guys came. You know, and you know that was part of of it, changing the image of what people perceive the Knicks to be. It came down to the fact that the Knicks were seventeen and sixty five that previous season, and the Nets ended up, ironically, under Sean Marks's leadership, who is still here and has gone through many more iterations in Brooklyn. But the Nets that year went forty two and forty with Marks and Kenny Atkinson and surprised a lot of people by going to the playoffs and actually being competitive against the uh, 76ers. So when it came down to making a decision between the two franchises, both of whom had salary cap space for two stars, math would tell you that one was closer to winning than the other one was. And I do think that the Knicks back then underestimated, uh, or excuse me, overestimated the power of Madison Square Garden and the Knicks. I thought they could just they thought they could just roll those things out and free agents would want to flock to them no matter what the record was. It turns out the record did matter cuz 17 and 65 and the Knicks bottomed out that season, didn't even win the lottery. They got third in the lottery, which is when they picked RJ Barrett. That's why he went to Brooklyn because it gave him a better chance to win. Plus Kyrie Irving was who he was teaming up with and you talk about leadership, let's be honest. Irving is a more uh, dominant, forceful personality. So I do think it was Kyrie Irving leading the yeah. route to Brooklyn, and Durant was a step behind him. Not absolutely. You know, he was looking about you know signing up. I think at first he tried to team up with Kawhi. You're talking about Kawhi, KD Kawhi. or Kyrie? Right, and I think he didn't want to be in L.A. You know, he's a D.C. guy, DMV guy as well, and wanted to come back. Well, the boardroom is part of it because he was into all of these off-the-court business ventures, which he still is, the production, and he had spent a couple of years in Silicon Valley and started to get into that when he was playing for the Warriors, and he knew that there'd be business opportunities in New York. And, you know, Barclays Center and Madison Square Garden, you really can't compare the two venues as far as a stage. But if you're in New York, you are in New York. So geographically, he looked at it as there's two options here in this city with all these business opportunities. Let me go to the team that's coming off of a playoff appearance and is above 500 as opposed to the team that just bottomed out at 17 and 65 and is coached by David Fisdale. And, and, and it looked like the Knicks, I mean, the Nets has so many more tradable assets so you think about, okay, if we're going to trade some people, how many people are we going to lose and what type? what's the team going to look like when they bring me and Kyrie in? All right, this portion of the show is brought to you by Tullamore Dew because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Tullamore Dew, the original triple distilled, triple blended, and triple cask matured Irish whiskey. Be sure to grab a Tullamore Dew or try the brand new Tullamore Dew honey during tonight's action. Glasses up to enjoying Tullamore Dew responsibly. Bart? Yes? I'm just playing. <laughs> Friends, go see Do you Dr. Have something Jay for us? Shah. He's a double board certified pain specialist. Don't let your neck, back, joint, or nerve pain slow you down from doing all the things that you love. It's time for you to reclaim your active lifestyle. You say, Bar, how do I do that? I told you, man. Call my friend Dr. Jay Shaw today at sandwellpain.com. Dr. Shaw treats neck, back, sciatica, and nerve pain. Dr. Shaw also treats migraine and is a headache specialist. Procedures involve no cuts, no scars, no excisions, or downtime. Call Dr. Jay Shaw to take a non-surgical approach with precise image-guided procedures without any pain medication. Enjoy a pain-free life. Same there. Next day appointments are available. Go to sandwellpain.com to put an end to your pain and suffering today. Why wait any longer? Make your appointment with Dr. Jay Shaw. Go to sandwellpain.com and regain your active lifestyle. Enjoy all your favorite activities pain-free. Sandwell now has three convenient locations in Woodbridge, Livingston, and a brand-new office in Inglewood to serve Bergen County. Visit sandwellpain.com. You'll wish you met Dr. Jay Shaw a lot sooner. Most major Insurances are accepted. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN.